This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. for a Thursday edition, which is, of course, the day of the week where we are fortunate to entertain your questions, which are always thought-provoking and uh, always uh, sort of consistent with what's going on in the world or in the country. So thank you for that. Please keep them coming. Uh, One of these days, we will reverse the order, and you can send some questions for Mary Langston. You know what's funny, Mary Langston? Nobody's, I bet nobody's ever asked you, is he real? Is he a real person? Have they? <laughs> Not yet, but there's always room for them to ask. Uh, you know, I think my mom is the only one who would ever like ask, he's so nice, is he real? I, I don't, <laughs> and I, honestly, she wouldn't even ask that because she knows. <laughs> she would. She would. No, she wouldn't. She, she's, she's, I'm not saying she doesn't love me, but she's not going to ever like wonder is he too good to be like a real person (laughs) so we'll reverse it one of these days but not today today we'll let you go through the questions and pick the ones that you um that you want to ask how's that that'll work and thank you all for putting up with me twice in one week so we have a lot of great questions today again so we better get started We appreciate y'all for sending us your thoughts and your questions. We'll start with Jennifer in North Carolina, so not too far from us, Trey. She writes, the speaker race. What do you think about this mess? Hang on for a second. I got to process this whole thing. North Carolina is not too far away from where we are. (laughs) It's not too far away. It's closer to you than to me. I didn't do well in geography. I used to drive me nuts. My daughter used to say she was going down to Charlotte. I just just drove me nuts to hear that. But <laughs> yes, North Carolina is close. Jennifer, you've asked uh, one of the one of the dominant questions, I guess, one of the two dominant two stories dominating the news right now. Obviously, mm-hmm. what's happening in the Middle East um, and what's happening with the speaker's race. So she wants to know what I think about this mess. Honestly, Jennifer, I, I don't understand it. And I'm not being my normal facetious uh, self. I mean, well, let's do it this way. One of the first things I think we ought to do is identify what exactly the speaker does, because I can tell you folks in the media, some of them don't have a clue what the mm-hmm. job of the speaker is. So this is the job of the speaker. He or she sets the agenda for the floor. He or she populates the committees or has an outsized role in doing so. He or she, and this is where you know, people kind of confuse being a spokesperson of sorts with having enormous power. Um, the speaker has uh, influence. The speaker has some power. But the speaker, 
The speaker cannot punish people who don't vote the way he or she thinks they should. And because there are no earmarks anymore, you really can't reward people. So, yeah, you're a you're a persuader of sorts. You're a spokesperson. You set the agenda. You interact with the media in terms of real power. Um, not the way I define power. The number one job of the speaker is to keep the majority. That's the number one job of the speaker. So Boehner, whatever other people may think about John Boehner, um, I can tell you what that guy did. He got on a bus in August when everyone else was headed home, going on family vacation, going to do town halls. John Boehner got on a bus and he traveled the country raising money for the most part for colleagues with really short memories and no loyalty. That's what the speaker does. I remember when I was trying to talk Paul Ryan into accepting. Remember, you'll remember at Mary Langston, Kevin McCarthy was next in line. Mm -hmm. Some people who probably are still there um, didn't want Kevin to ascend to the speakership, even though he was the next logical choice. So they were going to deny him the votes on the floor. Everyone was scrambling around. We went to the guy from Wisconsin who, by the way, did not want to be the speaker. He was content as the chairman of budget, and he was content as the chairman to be of Ways and Means. I don't think he'd already been Ways and Means chair, but those were his dream jobs. He did not want to be the speaker. But we talked him into it, and I remember the most animated conversation I had with him, he was assuring me he did not want to go spend his weekends traveling the country raising money. And there was no other part of the speaker's job that really didn't suit him other than the amount of time you spend traveling to help your colleagues who are in tough reelects, raising money for your colleagues who are in tough reelects, recruiting candidates that maybe can win in open districts. So the number one job of the speaker is to keep the majority. So go back two weeks. I'm trying to figure out what Kevin failed to do. What Kevin McCarthy, former speaker, now gone a couple of weeks, what he failed to do. I listened on the floor. Um, they did not like some of the things he put on the floor, but you compare his voting record with that of Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan, both of whom I like very much, but you compare their voting records, they're almost indistinguishable. And then I remember uh, the guy from Florida, whose name escapes me, but the guy from Florida who kind of put all of this in motion was complaining that Kevin McCarthy had yet to send a subpoena to Hunter Biden. I don't know if you watch this stuff or not. You probably don't. You're probably watching a church service. But do you did you watch enough to know that they were complaining that Kevin had not or not they he was complaining that Kevin had not sent a subpoena to Hunter Biden? Mm hmm. OK, yes, sir. Jim Jordan is the chairman of judiciary. That's who would send the subpoena to Hunter Biden. And I want to be very clear about it. I, I know exactly why Jim Jordan didn't do it. Most reasonable people know why you don't send a subpoena to someone who is currently under federal investigation and or federal indictment. Mm -hmm. Most people know that. But the notion that we're going to get rid of Kevin for not sending a subpoena to Hunter Biden but now we're going to elevate the person who really did not send the subpoena to Hunter Biden 
is not a reflection of Jim Jordan at all. By the way, uh, you know this, Mary Langston. I don't know if our listeners know this or not. I was on two committees with Jimmy, and then there were two committees where I didn't get to pick all of my co-workers, but I got to pick some of them. I was on two select investigations where I had a role in picking who got to do it with me. Both times, both times I picked Jim Jordan, Mm -hmm. both times. Uh, There was really Chaffetz, John Radcliffe, and Jimmy Jordan, by far the three that I worked the most with. Been to Jimmy's house, his wife, Mary Langston, I would put in the same category with you and Terry. Mm. Just one of the kindest, most decent people I have ever been around. His kids are great. I've met his kids. This has nothing to do with Jim Jordan. And here, I'll prove it to you. I bet Jennifer regrets asking this question now. But (laughs) as you can see, this is something that matters to me. Mm -hmm. Jim Jordan nominated Kevin McCarthy back in January. And I remember that because he caught a lot of flack from it, from so-called conservatives. I mean, the notion that you're going to criticize Jim Jordan, who was the most reliably conservative member the eight years I was there. He, he and Ratcliffe, it'd be close. He and Ratcliffe. But Ratcliffe wasn't there the whole time. Jimmy was there the whole time. But he nominated Kevin in January, took a little bit of heat for that, Defended Kevin to the very end, the very, very end. There is Jim Jordan defending Kevin McCarthy and the job he's done as speaker. So this has nothing to do. My analysis has nothing to do with Jim Jordan. I picked him every time I could pick somebody. Um, I they, they talk about the old Jim Jordan and the new Jim Jordan. You can put me in the category of people who like both. Like the old Jim Jordan, I'm not sure there is an old and a new, but I get what they're saying. I liked both. So this group of eight runs off Kevin McCarthy for reasons I still can't tell you why. I cannot tell you why you run off McCarthy, and then at first you're going to replace him with Stevie Scalise, whom I also very much like, even though their voting records are almost indistinguishable. And I can't tell you a single thing that Stevie Scalise would have done differently from Kevin McCarthy. And so Stevie wins in conference, but wouldn't win on the floor. So he doesn't even go to the floor. He won in conference. He won kind of the primary, if you will. But he knew he couldn't get to 217. So he didn't go to the floor. And that leaves Chairman Jordan. So Chairman Jordan... Uh, beat Austin Scott, and then there's a vote to see whether or not the people are going to support him. And he did take it to the floor. And there was pressure, uh, not by Jim Jordan, but pressure by outside groups and media personalities and others um, to kind of corral the, the outliers, if you will. They say they're going to the floor again tomorrow, which is the day that people are listening to the podcast. He may get there. I don't I don't know. It's not trending in a great direction that. And and, and let me just say it again in case anybody didn't hear me the first eight times I said it. This has absolutely nothing to do with Jim Jordan. I still have friends in that body. I talked to them. I talked to someone today. The people who are not voting for Jim, I can't swear to you that all of them 
um, it's not personal. It doesn't have anything to do with Jim, but the ones I've talked to, it has everything to do with Jim Jordan's supporters, including the guy from Florida who kicked this whole thing off two weeks ago. That's what this is about. You want to do a drive-by shooting on Kevin McCarthy and manufacture a bunch of reasons to get rid of him and expect there to be no consequence? Here's what I can't tell you, Jennifer, from the great state of North Carolina. I can't tell you why the guy from Florida did what he did. I'm not a psychiatrist. I was a homicide prosecutor, so I have some insight, but I'm not a psychiatrist. I know that it was personal. Don't believe any protestations to the contrary. It was personal. And so the reason they're struggling right now is there's a lot of bitterness inside that conference. You go and take someone out that had the support of over 90% of the conference, which is what Kevin had. Eight people linked arms with the Democrats, including not just the Democrats, Rashida Tlaib who still can't accept the fact that it was her team that bombed the hospital in Gaza and not Israel. Yeah, they linked arms with her. They linked arms with Ilhan Omar. They linked arms with the fellow who pulled the fire alarm. They linked arms with the squad. Eight Republicans linked arms with the Democrats to get rid of someone that 90% of the Republicans wanted. And then they expected the 90% to go along with them. And that's not what's happening. So I don't know how it ends. Probably ends with Patrick McHenry, who, by the way, this is the irony of all ironies. I don't know that there was anyone closer to Kevin McCarthy than Patrick McHenry. Maybe Garrett Graves from Louisiana. Maybe. But Patrick McHenry, you go back and look at the at the footage from when The House voted to vacate the speakership and get rid of Kevin McCarthy. Patrick McKinney was chairing. And you look at the way he slams the gavel down. Go back and look at how Patrick McHenry slams the gavel down after his friend Kevin McCarthy was just unceremoniously booted by eight people who crave attention in the House. And the irony of all ironies is... You got rid of Kevin so you could get Kevin's best friend, and you accomplished nothing. You accomplished nothing. It was personal. It's always been personal. I I can't tell you whether it's an ethics investigation or just mean-spiritedness or just jealousy. I don't know what it is. I'm not a shrink. But I can tell you it's personal. And finally, there was a group in the House that said, you know what? You're not running the show. You're not getting away with it. And that's why we are where we are. It has no, I don't think it had anything to do with Stevie Scalise, who, by the way, I think most people know this, shot during a charity baseball, congressional baseball practice, very nearly died. Very mm. nearly died. If it, if it weren't for Brad, he would have died. If it weren't for another congressman who served on Intel with me, great guy, doctor, wonderful guy, Brad Winstrom. Mm. He would have died. Stevie's got cancer now. Stevie works hard. They passed him over. Had nothing to do with him. Jim Jordan, not a harder worker guy. He was my draft choice. Every time I got to pick somebody, I picked him. If you want to look at why we're having problems right now, you can look to the panhandle of Florida. That's who brought it on. 
Well, thank you so much, Trey. And thank you, Jennifer, for your question. Our I bet Jennifer question. never writes in another question, Mary Lynch. She will. She asked the right person, too. You've been there. You know how it goes. It's crazy, too. It's so sad I, to see it that way. I do know. But my mom and Terry both told me not to let my blood pressure get up. And I, I just look, I, I'm a big boy. I understand politics. Um, I don't like bullies. I don't like taking people out simply because you can. If you have a reason mm -hmm. to do it, that's fine. Even if I disagree with the reason, that, that that's fine. But to do it simply because you have the power to do it means that you are a psychopath or a bully. And I'll let people guess. I'll let them pick. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Our next question is shifting gears just a little bit and going to Israel and it's from Ted in Georgia. He writes, what's going on with all the reporting misinformation with the war in Israel? How do we know who to trust with what's going on? Gosh, Ted, what a great question. It is precisely the right question to be asking. And I wish I knew the answer. There is mm -hmm. so much misinformation. There are fake photographs. There's I mean, the most recent example, I mean, uh, there are people like questioning whether or not there were really, you know, people brutalized and victimized uh, when when this assault began that Saturday morning when the when Hamas crossed the border and and went into southern Israel and to the kibbutz. They're, they're, they're like questioning whether or not children really were beheaded. And, and if you can say, yeah, I see the photo, but it's a fake. And the reality is people do fake photos. So meanwhile, people of good conscience like Ted and others are just sitting there trying to figure out how in the world do we make sense of this? This is what I would tell you, Ted. I mean, it, so we had an explosion in Gaza uh, within the past, what, 36 hours. And the question is, was it an Israeli missile or a Hamas missile? Initially, initially, I think the media believed that it was an Israeli missile. I mean, their children, I mean, I mean, the depravity to bomb a hospital. Mm -hmm. This is what I would tell people to do. We've got to stop and make sure that we gather as much information as we can before a decision has to be made. There are some decisions that have to be made in a nanosecond. Do I pull out into the highway? Do I swerve? I mean, there are these decisions that where something comes up and you have literally less than a second to process the evidence and make a decision. This ain't that. I had people texting me, including family members, saying, you know, what do you think about Israel bombing a hospital in Gaza? And my response was, are we sure it was Israel? That was my response before the stuff came out that indicates it probably was not Israel. Mm. So do you have to make up your mind? And then as you are taking the time and gathering all the information, 
Then the question begins, well, what information do I rely upon? Here, here are two things that, that I think we have to focus on. History and credibility. Who has historically told you the truth? Who has a reputation for veracity? What sounds reasonable? I mean, you know, Mary Linkson, if somebody told me that you robbed a convenience store, I don't know for certain that that is not true. I don't. <laughs> but I can tell you, I would find that shocking. Mm. And it takes a lot to shock me. That, that would be shocking because there's nothing in your history to indicate that. Nothing in your character. So, again, I would, well, I wouldn't believe that. So that's not a good example. <laughs> but if I did hear something kind of crazy, I would mm. say, you know what? I'm not making my final decision yet. I'm leaning towards not believing it or I'm leaning towards believing it, but I need information mm. and I need information. I need. So this is the way I would analyze the, the, the hospital. This is the way I did analyze it before I knew. OK, do do we believe that a group that kidnaps women and children would be capable of doing something like that? Well, um, it's not that far of a walk from kidnapping women and children and abusing them and brutalizing them to bombing a hospital. It may be a short walk, but but it's not a long walk from one to the other. Do we believe a group that beheads innocent victims would be capable of doing it? Do, do we believe a group that targets innocents would be capable of doing it? I think what turned out is a pretty plausible explanation. It wasn't Israel, and Hamas didn't intend to do it. It was a misfire of a rocket. That makes perfect sense. And then if you listen to a transcription of, of the intercepted call, which we call intelligence, you got all these intelligence agencies gathering information because President Biden needs to make the right decision. I mean, the Middle East is 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 almost on fire right now. So he needs to know because he's going over there and he, and he was supposed to meet with Jordan and he was supposed to meet with other Arab leaders. He needs to know, was this an Israeli missile or was it a Hamas missile? So our intelligence agencies need to weigh in too, and they have. And his conclusion is what he said. It was the other team, which means it wasn't Israel. The other thing we got to do, Ted, always in life is look for eyewitnesses. So we got to look historically who's been credible. What makes the most amount of sense? Look for eyewitnesses. Are there first responders? I mean, there are people questioning whether or not Israelis were brutalized in the initial assault. They're questioning whether or not, you know, families, entire families were killed while they were trying to hold on to one another in bed. I mean, you, you've got people who question everything now. What do the first responders say, the paramedics, the doctors, the nurses? It always, to me, comes down to this. Who has a history of telling the truth? How do I process information as quickly as I can and gather as much as I can? And what makes the most amount of common sense? And with the missile that hit the hospital, it does not make sense to me that Israel would make that mistake, particularly after you know, I mean, the reason the world is outraged is because 
innocent children were targeted, innocents were targeted in in Israel with this initial assault. It, it would impeach or undercut Israel's argument to then go and do the same thing. So it never made sense. I, I, it was either an accident on the Israeli side, or it was a misfire on the Hamas side, and is looking like a misfire on the Hamas side. Well, thank you so much, Trey, and thank you, Ted, for your question. It's all so heartbreaking. So we'll end on a little bit lighter note, and it's a sports question from Chris in Missouri. He writes, in a sports world full of replays for the sake of getting things right, how is it possible that face mask penalties are not reviewable in football? I don't know, because, uh, Chris, as you aptly note, whether or not you grab a face mask, advertently or inadvertently, um, is easy to see on tape. Holding is sometimes a little harder to see. Pass interference, you know, the guys are, you know, hand fighting, going down the whole field. There's a lot of judgment involved in holding. There's judgment involved in PI. There's not a ton of judgment in horse collar tackles or face mask. Um. So I, I'm, I've gotten to the point where I want it to be right. I don't want them to take forever to get it right, but I want it to be right. I've been watching a lot of baseball lately because, uh, you know, we're getting close to the World Series. Mm-hmm. They've got a box that shows us whether or not it was a strike. And it, it's just – so if you got a box, you can watch the box on television – then the technology exists for the umpires to rely on that when they call balls and strikes. They don't have to get them wrong anymore. I mean, the technology can tell you that was a that was a strike. It's in the box. I'm I want to get it right, Chris. I just I I, I like that there's a human element, but I, I've been on the receiving end. My team, not me. My teams have been on the receiving end of some pretty questionable calls. Um, I, I, my blood pressure cannot handle SEC officiating in South Carolina football games anymore. I can't get Shane Beamer to talk to me about it because he doesn't want to get fined. I don't care about getting fined because I don't have any money. I'm judgment proof. <laughs> I want them to get it right. So face mask, that's not a judgment call. Horse collar really is not a judgment call. Um, why they don't review penalties? I don't. I don't know. Well, they do. They review targeting. They review targeting calls all the time. So I don't know, Chris. One of these days, I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to be the head of officiating for the Southeastern Conference. I mean, don't tell anybody, <laughs> but that's kind of my dream job. And then I'm going to assign a bunch of South Carolina graduates to officiate all of our games and we can look for some better calls to come our way. And a lot of people may think that that's not fair and that I'm cheating. Um, Hey, look, I don't have that much. I don't have that much longer left on earth. Uh, I need to see South Carolina win the Southeastern conference football championship before my days are up. I'm convinced Shane Beamer is going to get us there. But as I told Shane, I want to have teeth when that happens. So I know it's going to happen, but I don't want to be like 
taking my victory meal through a straw. I'd like to be able to chew because I have teeth. So hurry up and get it done. (laughs) Well, we will hope for the best on that one. And that's all the questions we have for today, Trey. Well, you know, that's great, Mary Langston, because I took an hour to answer the one on the speaker's race. But I do think well, it's important. It's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to understand how we got where we are, because that'll help you explain why we're not getting out of it. And mm-hmm. um, look, I could be dead wrong. They 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 could decide the third ballot for Jimmy is the charm. Um, I don't think so. Uh, the bitterness not towards Jim. I know I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it a million and one. Mm-hmm. It is not bitterness towards Jim Jordan. There is a lot of bitterness towards the eight people that kind of pull the pen out of the grenade and put us where we are right now. But listen, on a happy note, there are a lot of things to be thankful for. And um, so we'll we'll end on a happy note. And we're right in the middle of October, which is a beautiful month. And mm-hmm. um halfway through college football and Dallas won over the weekend. So there are a lot of things to be grateful for. I like that. So we'll end on that good note and we hope that y'all will continue to send us questions and I guess we'll see you next Thursday. Yeah, they can send them, but I'm pretty sure Fox is going to fire me for the length of time it took me to answer the <laughs> no, they won't. the speaker's race. So it'll be somebody else answering them from now on, but I've had a great <laughs> time. I've enjoyed it and I'll miss you. Well, we know that's not true. We know you'll be back next week. I'll see you next week. How's that? (laughs) That sounds great. We'll see you all next week, and we'll have lots of questions for you, Trey. So be ready. All righty. You take care of yourself. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.